What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Grow a Fan Base podcast. I'm your host, Will Hardison. And before I get into today's guest, a special shout out to the old Meadow Bluffs crew. Uh, I recently visited, and all of them told me that they've at least listened to an episode or two. Uh, so, shout out, Mr. Frank. Jason, Ryan, and Andrea, and Caroline, you weren't there, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you and Jason listen to it together at night before you go to bed, which is an odd way to put yourself to sleep, but hey, whatever you need to do, you do, but I appreciate you guys uh, listening and tuning in. All right, now on to today's episode. I have a very fun guest. Drew Hamill's on here today. He ran an account called Nike Stories, grew it to 160,000 followers. People like Justin Timberlake, Andre Agassi, and other celebrities followed his account. He was sent all over the country to special Nike events, NBA All-Star Games, and more, and woke up one day, and Instagram had deleted his account. I know, right? It kills me because I know all of the hard work that he put into that account, but here is his entire story and what he's up to today and what he plans to do in the future. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Grow a Fan Base podcast. I've got a, a very special guest. I say that all the time, but every single guest to me is special. But this guy I've known, we've actually never met in person, uh, but we've known each other probably coming up on seven years now. Um, we've texted like schoolgirls a lot back in the day, um, probably to the point to where uh, his wife probably said, who are you talking to all night? And it's like, oh, don't worry, it's just Will from Force Field. Um, but I've got Drew Hamill on today. Thanks for joining me, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Uh, great to be here. So Drew ran, if you, I guess if you're like our age, I won't lump you in here, but if you're my age, I'm 39, grew up in the era of Jordan playing and all those guys were like, you know, I mean, the, the original 11s and 12s and 13s that have now come back out 500,000 times, but it was when those were like, the Jordans were actually coming out you'd go to the mall or you would have an East Bay magazine that you would look at while you're riding the bus. I'm sure most of you, even if you aren't into sneakers, remember East Bay magazines um, as a kid, but like you would circle all the sneakers or basketball shorts or whatever that you wanted. Um, so Drew is known to me as the guy that ran an account called Nike Stories. And I can't remember, man, how, how, like, I know it was over 100,000, but what was the end total of followers for the account? Yeah, I think it was around 160,000 uh, by the end there before it got removed. Okay, so he, he alluded to that it got removed, which is like a huge reason. One, I'm just super impressed that he was able to grow an account to 160,000 followers. But he has a very interesting story because he woke up one morning and his account was gone. So we'll get there in a little bit, but first I want to go all the way back to the beginning and kind of talk about, you know, uh, the whole story all the way to that famous day that you woke up um, and everything was, was missing. So what made you start an Instagram account covering the more so history of sneakers and highlighting those East Bay catalogs? Yeah, so I think that was around, I got onto Instagram maybe around 2012, 2013, like the rest of us who are in our late 30s, early 40s. And it was a really fun platform to connect with people all around the world that had very similar niche interests. 
Um, so for me, it was sneakers and, and I've loved sneakers all my life. Um, and I can get into that a bit later, but yeah, around that time, 2012, 2013, I saw that, you know, the big names like complex and hype beast starting accounts and posting shoes. And I thought, okay, this is great, but they weren't really telling the stories behind the shoes. Like they just kind of try to flex, um, and show something you know, hype beasty. And you'd get all these likes and comments. And I thought that's cool and all, but we need to talk about these a bit more and, you know, explain the history behind the shoes, things like that. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I uh, was fortunate enough to have a bunch of East Bay catalogs from the 90s that I still had in my possession. And I was a, a collector, you know, not crazy with hundreds of pairs back then, but a decent amount of, of older shoes and uh, just started posting what I had and East Bay images and other photos I found on the internet of, you know, Jordan and Iverson, uh, yeah, Iverson, like at Georgetown, rocking Concord 11s, and just kind yeah. of telling the stories behind those shoes. And it really caught fire because no one else was really doing that back around that time. So the account quickly grew. Yeah, I mean, I think and it's interesting that you said the stories behind the sneakers, because I actually had somebody ask me uh, recently, like, what got you into sneakers to begin with? And I honestly have never played a lick of basketball after like second or third grade, like organized basketball. Right. And so I wasn't a basketball player. Um, I appreciate Michael Jordan for uh, his abilities, his talent. Um, but also know of his, you know, off the court character, not the biggest fan, if I may be completely honest of that side of him, but it really comes down to the stories, right? Like I love design. I love creative, um, things. And so every major, you know, you take the Air Jordan line, for example, I'd say 99% of those shoes probably 100%, to be honest, have a story. They are designed after something, uh, a Panther, a Ferrari, a Jet, all sorts of things. And that is what actually drew me into collecting. And I'm assuming maybe similar for you or different reasons why you got into collecting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were both fortunate to grow up you know, in the in the 80s and 90s, and the 90s was really the, the golden age of sneakers. And, of course, you had Tinker Hatfield, uh, among others, uh, Wilson Smith, Eric Avar, um, designing some of the greatest shoes we've ever seen. And I worked at the Athlete's Foot my junior year of high school and then Foot Locker my senior year. And I remember like the Eakins coming in from Nike, the Nike reps, they would come in on like a Saturday morning before the store opened and show us the latest models that were going to be coming out in the next quarter and sharing the insights and the stories behind those shoes. Um, and to the point where, where I grew up in South Jersey, there was a Nike office and I got to go to it and meet the Eakins there and see like the showrooms with the shoes that would be coming out. And I was just like hooked, like, oh my gosh, I need to know everything about every one of these shoes. Um, so it's the combination of, yeah, working in shoe stores. I played basketball in high school a bit. Um, I was not good at all, but I just loved being on the court and trying out <laughs> different shoes, yeah. um, learning about them, working in the stores. Um, it was just the combination of all those things that really uh, fascinated me with footwear. Um, and that was, yeah, that was the history, right? So, you know, we were just fortunate enough yeah. to, to grow up in that era. 
So when you first started uh, Nike Stories, did you have any like ambitions for the account, like any goals, or was it I just want to do this and be creative? My goal was to get five thousand followers, and I was going to be happy with that. Um, so that happened, you know, pretty. Actually, it didn't happen that quickly. It happened after about a year, um, and it's because of Complex kind of seeing a few of my posts and reposting those and. Um, I had to work hard at it. Like it was a lot of work and effort and time. And, and it was fun for me though. I came home from work and, uh, posted something and, and communicated and t- chatted with the other folks who loved collecting shoes like I did. And then I would write on the side for blogs, like the, uh, East Bay blog yeah. and the finish line blog, uh, I wrote for complex, wrote for high snobiety, ended up writing for Jordan brand. And then I had this flexibility with my work in New York to go to any event, that I got invited to over time, uh, with Nike. So yeah, I started going to all the release launches that they had and the, the marketing, um, shows, all sorts of things. And I would post that stuff and the account just grew and grew and grew because of that. That's insane. So you had five, your goal was 5,000 people. And by the end of it all, you had 160,000 people. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, that's absolutely bananas to me that, I mean, it just exploded. I feel like, so you said it took five, it took about a year to get 5,000. And then, and then after that, it starts to explode. Would you say that like, that's in part of, I mean, I can't remember if you went, did you go to like the mellow, like release and all that? Or no, was it, um, his name escapes me. Who's the kid that played at Duke? Um, oh, the Zion that, uh, oh. Zion yeah, did you go to that? Zion, I think was, yeah. Yeah, I went to the Zion. Didn't they do like um, a big release party? Yeah, I went to the Air Jordan 34 uh, release, which was up in Harlem on a Saturday. And like every single media person was there from around the country. Um, And we didn't know that necessarily that Zion was going to be there. We just knew it was the debut of the shoe. Uh, But I figured like he was their newest signing and um, he would probably come out. So yeah, he was there and, you know, did his thing and, then we went to the HQ and got we all got a pair of the 34s and got to test them out. And um, Zion was there, too, and just hanging out. And I walked right up to him and said hi, got a few photos. And so that was that was a really fun day. I'll never forget forget that moment for sure. That is crazy. All from running an Instagram account dedicated to telling the history and the stories of sneakers. Like, yeah, it's I mean, insane. And I didn't, I didn't know a single person in the industry, like when I started it, but I knew like, okay, I see everybody who works at Nike is is on Instagram. So I'm just going to start DMing them and liking their photos. And, you know, one thing led to another and they started inviting me to stuff and seating me sneakers. And, um, they were all like a fan of the account and they're like, yeah, this is great. This is exactly what we want to see. So it was great for, because it was different, right? I mean, I think, I think everybody was swimming in a certain lane and you said, you know what, I'm going to come over here and swim in this other lane. Like instead of, like you said, like posting every single latest Travis Scott collaboration and, you know, all the hypebeast stuff, right? You said, I'm going to tell stories and go in a different direction and it paid off big time. Um, How long do you think it took you every week to create content for the account? Yeah, I tried to make it really organic to the point where I would set myself reminders in my phone for like birthdays and, 
you know, Dennis Rodman's birthday or a special event like Jordan's last shot, um, things like that to remind me. <laughs> um, but I tried to really keep it organic and it's, and I would just, just search for random stuff on Google, which it's interesting in the last 10 years, Google's really cleaned up accounts because there's really not uh you can't get access to random photos anymore um for whatever reason really? i guess maybe like getty images maybe complained that their stuff was being taken and not purchased and, yeah. and reposted on social which people still do um but yeah things have really changed on the internet so back then it was kind of like the wild west and you just posted whatever you wanted on social and people love stuff that was rare and they hadn't seen before, but was somehow connected to sneaker culture. Yeah. Um, man, that's like, to me, I always wondered how you created content around all of those important dates. And now that makes complete simple sense that you just probably set <laughs> reminders and calendar invites in your phone to yourself because you were always on it like the last shot of jordan and dennis robin's birthday and other just big milestones you would pay tribute to those and of course like all the people who are into that and uh, fans of that and that era they're that hits them you know i mean right at home and they're, they're gonna like it they're gonna share it and they're like oh remember this and i mean i think all of us who are, you know, of the similar age remember the iconic, you know, Michael Jordan's last shot, right, and that he ever took. Um, so, you know, when you're posting those things, it just hits people, right, at, right at the right time, right at the same, you know, type of moment and feeling. Yeah. So right did you ever worry that you would run out of content? I mean, there are only so many East Bay magazines out there. Did you ever get that feeling that you uh, were one day going to be like, well, I've covered everything there is to cover. No, I mean, like, yeah, I've got my East Bays right here. I keep them in my, my bedroom, and, you know, I've got um, plenty. I've got, I don't know, maybe 100, 150, and each catalog has Jeez. 70, 80, 90 pages of content in it. So, plus I have um, a bunch of Slam slam magazines from the late 90s, early 2000s, plus my sneaker collection kept growing and growing. So, there was just unlimited content and then the events that I was going to capturing all that stuff. So there was no, no end to it. No end in sight. <laughs> How, what made you keep all of those East Bay magazines, 150 of them? Um, you know, I'm a bit of a, obviously as I love sneakers and back then East Bay was the Bible for, and the encyclopedia for sneaker content. So I, for yep. some reason, I just kept them all in my room, high school and into college. And my mom just kind of kept my room intact for about 10, 15 years. <laughs> and then they moved. Thank um, you, mom. So they packed everything up. And thank God, you know, a lot of parents just toss everything. But she said, do you want these things? And it was like the perfect time because Instagram was blowing up. And I'm like, yes. Oh, my God. That's like that's like gold. <laughs> that is you gold. can't find the stuff on the Internet. Yeah. Now, all right, you grew it to 160,000 followers. I'm assuming there had to have been some cool people that followed the account. I mean, are, can you, you know, tell us uh, any of those famous people that followed the account? Oh, yeah, like uh, probably Justin Timberlake was the best, if I, biggest follower. 
Um, but then you had all the sneaker legends like Ronnie Feig and uh, Jerry Lorenzo from Fear of God, um, Don C uh, from Just Don. Um, then I had athletes like Mike Bibby, Andre Agassi. Um, yeah, Jeez. guys like that. And then, of course, all the anyone who was a sneakerhead was following it as well. And we just had this really yeah. awesome community. And um, that led me to like not only the, the Nike events, but going to like the NBA All-Star Game in Chicago in 2020, right before the world shut down. And I met, oh, Virgil Abloh followed the account and I got to meet him there, uh, Thank you know, before he passed away. Um, I met Don C yeah. there. I met Jerry Hello, Lorenzo man. there. And we just had this instant connection, right? I'm, I'm like, they're like, probably like, who's this guy coming up to me? And I'm like, hey, I'm Nike Stories. You follow, you follow my account. Um, and we just, we all, we had nice little conversations. That is it. wild. <laughs> How did you get to go to the uh, All-Star game? Um, let's see. That was both from Nike and when I was with the OG support group. So it was a group of eight of us who yep, all, yep. you know, were kind of like yep. OG sneaker collectors. So um, we all went together and uh, just went to events together. But yeah, I was getting invites from Nike as well to, for different for different things. So that was definitely an amazing uh, weekend in uh, February, second or th- uh, third weekend of February. And then the world shut down yep. from the pandemic yep. in a few weeks later in March. Well, so let's just throw this out there in case anyone happens to be listening. I'm available because <laughs> this year, and if you're available, let's do it. Um, I actually pitched this idea. Um, so I used to write for DTLR and I pitched this idea uh, three years ago because uh, it was going to be up in Indianapolis, yeah. right? So, I mean, I grew up in Indianapolis and got a bunch of buddies, and that's where Finish Line is and JD and all that now. Um, but at the time, I was writing articles for DTLR, and I said, hey, man, I probably could pull this off. Um, if you guys have a budget for this, like, we can rent a house. I can get – I think I even remember texting yeah. you, uh, Mike, you know, Fomer Simpson, um, Jacques, Nick Ingvall, um, and like the five, you know, the four or five of us and going, Hey, like, I think we might be able to do this. Um, we can rent a house. We can basically set up, you know, live streaming and like, we all hang out, you know, me being the one that like would be behind the scenes of everything. Like nobody cares what I'm doing, but all you guys, right. Like, um, and I remember, um, Jeff at DTLR was like, man, that's a killer idea. Let me see if I can't, you know, get something pulled, pulled off for that. Well, then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So and they ended up delaying that all star game, but it's this year. So it's coming up in February. So if anyone is listening to this, I'm available. I don't know if Drew's available, but, you know, we can see if we can't rent a house and go make some cool content around the all star game. They got to hurry up because I think that's that's a winter break for my daughter and my wife's already making plans. So. Oh man! Well, t- tell management right now to uh, just just put just pencil in plans, management, because we might all be going to Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, no, I think chances are slim that somebody's going to be listening to this and then reach out and say, "Yeah, I'll fly all you guys to Indiana for the for the All Star game." All right, so man, I'm last question on the on all the famous people that followed you. I mean, was it was it tempting, or maybe you did, or maybe they did, to just like get into conversations? I mean, if Justin Timberlake followed my account. It would really take a, a, it'd take me a, like 
it'd be tough not to send him a DM and be like, Hey man, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, Did y'all yeah. ever chat? I, I DM'd Justin. He never responded, but for sure, Jerry, Lorenzo, Ronnie, Feig, and Virgil all answered. Um, and Agassi responded several times as well. Um, so I can, and Mike That's baby. Crazy. So yeah, they all, they all responded to DMS. Um, so I can happily say that. Man. <laughs> Iconic yeah. names just following your account and chatting back and forth. That's wild, man. Hats off to you for for building and growing that fan base to be able to do that. All right, so let's go to that day. You've been how long did how long were you running the account? A couple years, right? Um, what's okay? Uh, yeah, probably about seven or eight years. Yeah. Okay, so we'll call it we'll call it seven. That's still a long time. So seven years. You're pouring all your creative energy into this. You're growing the account. You've got 160,000 followers, and then you wake up one morning, and it's all gone. What was that like? Like, what did you do? I remember, like, all of these people starting to post, you know, save Nike stories and all sorts of things, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? But you woke up, and basically... You know, probably my details are a little fuzzy, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But basically, Instagram locked up your account and deleted it, right? Yeah, it's actually been about two years. This might, it's, it was in January uh, two years ago. Um, so it was about this time. Um, yeah, the account just kind of got really weird. Like it wouldn't load and then it would and then things would go blank. And it was, it was on a weekend and I was so confused. Like, shoot, is Instagram down? Cause I didn't receive any type of warning. Um, I didn't ever get an email. I never got like a message from Instagram saying anything was going on. Um, so yeah, at first I was super confused. Um, and I'm trying to remember cause yeah, it has been a while now, but, uh, I think at, at finally I did get, oh yeah, I, you can like, um, contest it. Right. And say, Hey, what's going on with my account? Once I started realizing like, yeah, yeah something's definitely up here. And so I put in my request for them to look into what happened. And I also had a friend at Facebook and I asked him if he could look into it on his end. And he said, oh yeah, they took your account down and they're accusing you of impersonation. Uh, and I'm like, what? Are you serious? All because. Um, so in some way I kind of had an, a feeling that at some point it would happen because the account was getting so big and I wasn't working for Nike. So I had backup plans in place anyway. Um, that being said, I was still pissed and like, like what the heck? Like Nike's feeding me sneakers. Yeah. They're inviting me to events. They're clearly supporting my account. Who did this? And the guy I know said, uh, looks like, and I can't, hundred percent confirm this, but it sounds like it was somebody in a different department at Nike, either in like HR or legal or, or something that was pretty high up and had that, um, authority to, to do that and shut it down. Um, and then I spoke to a few others at Nike and I said, could that be possible? And they're like, could be, you know, Nike likes to, you know, control the narrative and keep things, you know, really under control on their end. And it could be that my account was too big for them and they didn't like it anymore and wanted to shut it down. Yeah. It was fine when it was smaller because it wasn't that big of a deal. But once it probably hit a certain number, somebody said, okay, this guy's gotten too big, yep. evidently. What, uh, you said you had some backup plans. Yeah. What so were I those? still, um, 
you know, I love like style and men's style in general. So I created just uh, an account in my name, Drew Hamill. And I was posting, you know, photos of sneakers and, and jeans and how I like to put fits together. And that was starting to grow as well. I also was building a website, drewhamill.com, because um, I figured, yeah, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket on Instagram because it's I don't own it. Like it could disappear on, at any time. And it did. Yep. Um, yep. So that, that's how I announced that Nike Stories was gone on my Drew Hamill page. And then a few more months goes by. And um, then that that page disappeared along with my backup Drew Hamill account. So somebody reported those two accounts too. <laughs> um, what? So somebody was out for you, man. Somebody was somebody was not happy that you yep, were doing yep. this. And that's what I reached out to my buddy at Facebook again, and he's like, "Yeah, somebody's coming after you." Um, and there's nothing they can do about it. Um, and it's because I posted um, a custom pair of sneakers, um, a custom pair of Air Force Ones that were done by a guy in uh, South Korea. And they said that the official comment from Instagram was that I was promoting counterfeit product. So that's why my, my personal accounts oh my were word. shut down. But, but yet the millions of other accounts that actually are doing that still exist and yep. go on yep. without it. Yeah, it was pretty messed up and man, that's I was definitely pissed about that for sure, but uh, yeah. again, nothing I could do. Well, not to slip a business lesson into the podcast, but I mean, I did run like a marketing agency for 15 years and had all these clients that wanted grow my Instagram and my Facebook and all that. And I would always tell them like, I'm fine to do that and I will help you. But I would advise you that like, A, that shouldn't be your only strategy. And I know you weren't really doing this like right. for a business, but like shouldn't be your only strategy. You know, if you're, you know, your local mom and pop shop, right? Not your only strategy because you don't own yep. that real estate. Any minute, you know, we've seen it, right? Facebook, you know, I mean, everybody went and built Facebook pages and got all these likes and people following Facebook business, Facebook pages. And then all of a sudden Facebook said, Hey, we're going to restrict your organic reach. And now you got to pay us. If you want people to see your posts, you got to pay. And you know, Instagram, Instagram changes the algorithm. I feel like every hour now, right? Like, and so it's just a game and you don't own that and you could wake up one day and it all is gone. Um, so I, I always, um, encouraged people to, one of the only things that you can own are emails, right? Like build your email list, get that email list. Now it's text, like get those numbers. So that way you can communicate with people, send out a blast, um, you know, email marketing, all that good stuff. But man, I hate it for you because I'm sure that that was, it was seven, eight years of hard work, um, seemingly out the window, but I feel like you kind of, I mean, you took a little bit of a break maybe, but I feel like you're back, right? Like you've started that, the new account, um, what is it? Sneakers uh, style guide. Yeah. Right? So, um, I had an, a fourth account called East Bay archive, um, that I just had as like a spare, spare account because I'm like, I need to put these East Bay pages somewhere. And I wasn't even really posting on it. Yep. Um, but then when I lost everything else, I'm like, okay, this is it. This is my last shot on Instagram. Cause, because I, I really did like the, the community, though. I had friends on there that I wanted to keep in touch in, yeah. with, and that was the only way to, really. 
So, and I just wanted to see, you know, what else was going on in, in the sneaker world. So I started posting like a yeah. nightly scan on East Bay Archive. And then that started to blow up. And, um, and then East Bay went out of business at the same time. So all these like, like uh, uh, websites were posting about the story and linking my account and I was getting asked to do like interviews about East Bay. And then I became like this ambassador <laughs> for East Bay. I never worked there or anything, but I, you know, gave my. Yeah. You just had all their catalogs. <laughs> so I started like giving my two cents about it. And the account kept growing and I kept yeah. working on my website at the same time. And, um, and then I started to see, you know, as you, as you know, in on the, in the Instagram world that people will just take your content and not tag you and use it. And steal yep. it and get all this like promotion and, and, and likes and, and everything and keep growing. I'm like, all right, forget this. I'm taking all the, the scans down and changing my name. And it's just going to be some generic thing like sneaker style guide. And I'm not even yep. going to, I'm going to post maybe once or twice a week about stuff that I'm into. And I've got my, my community still that I can talk to if I want to, but I'm really going to just focus on the website and build that up. And, um, just use Instagram just really for fun at, at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, um, <laughs> did we not learn our lesson the first time by naming the fourth account East Bay? But then they went out of business, so you're probably safe. Um, so that's all right. And you've got what, man? It's already, you got 40,000 some followers on yeah, the new account, right? Yeah, it's about 44,000. Um, it's like just, and and you, you talk about algorithm and um, it does change a lot. So I just try to keep it to the sneakers. I know that people are going to love like the Concord 11s and, yep. and then the taxi 12s and the last shot 14s. And I'm just going to post those and throw in a few East Bay scans and slam magazine images. And, um, like the posts do really well. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I, I'm just going to stick to the formula. I know that works usually. Yeah. Now, if there's anything that you could do differently, uh, if you had to go back, is there is there something you would do different throughout the whole eight years of running the account or even starting um, the account? No, I would have kept it as Nike Stories up until like probably 2019, 2020. And my wife would talk about it like, man, maybe I should change the name to something more generic. But I had all these big followers. So would I lose them? That's the risk you take if you if you change it. Um and I wasn't willing to take that risk. So yeah, looking back, obviously I would have yeah. changed the name to something generic, like sneaker style guide or something like that. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a lesson that I can share with people. And I feel like everything happens for a reason. And uh, yep. I'm not, yeah, I'll get a little bitter about it every once in a while, but it's. <laughs> I get bitter for you. I think honestly, I have thought about it multiple times and I've told the story to people of like, yeah, I had a buddy that had an account and grew to, you know, 150 plus thousand people. And then one day he wakes up and it's gone. Oh, I've told this story, man, a dozen times. Absolutely. And I would get mad for you because I mean, I just knew back in the day as much as like, I mean, communicated and talked and, you know, about sneakers. And I mean, I think you even wrote for force field for a little bit and some of our blogs and content. And, you know, I mean, we, we were teaming up and you would post about, you know, force field and everything. And I mean, as much as we communicated and how much work 
that I knew that you put into that account and it wasn't even your full-time job. I mean, it was something you did nights and weekends for fun. Right. And just to see that, um, cause I'm sure too, man, it was like a stream of revenue for your family. I mean, we were, you know, I mean, I can disclose this. We were paying you to write and post and, you know, do all that stuff. And so I'm sure others were as well. Um, so then you're in, you know, some of your income goes away too. Um, yep. It was, um, it was income on the side. It was my side hustle and it was trips too. Like I did, um, collabs with graduate hotels out in Seattle and, uh, Eugene, Oregon and got to go to the Nike HQ because of it. Um, so it was like, I, I lost all those trip opportunities as well. Um, but what I'm learning very quickly is like the website, you can make a lot more money on a website. Um, compared to what I was making on, on Instagram. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the path forward. Anything extra on Instagram is just a cherry on top at this point. What is, uh, what's the URL it's, for the it's website? It's my name, drewhamill.com. And, um, okay. it's you know, based right. on sneaker style guide. So it's, you know, the best basketball shoes of 2023. It's, um, you know, best, running shoes available it's how to pair um this boot with this pair of pants um it's it's menswear it's it's sneaker news and info um and it's just got a bunch of links to you know where you can find the stuff on on the internet that's awesome all right truehamill.com i'll be sure to include that in all the promos so we can drive all five (laughs) listeners to the podcast to your website now there's more than that there's like seven um all right, last question, and then I'll, I'll let you off the proverbial hot seat, so to speak. Um, any advice for someone who, it doesn't matter, I mean, Instagram account, whatever, but as somebody who wants to create content um, and grow their own fan, bu- own fan base, what would you say to them? It's, uh, I don't even want to say it because it's so cliche, but um, you have to be passionate about it. Like, I will talk about sneakers the rest of my life, like I don't get sick of it, you know? And it, um, it doesn't matter what platform it is. Like I'm going to talk about shoes. And, and I think I did, I posted when Instagram got shut down. I'm like, I'm going to create another sneaker account and another sneaker account and another sneaker account. Just like, um, you can't stop me. Michael Scott did with his paper company, like in the (laughs) office, like it's something that is his life and that he cares about. Um, so if you want to create content, uh, pick something that you love to do and you, you, you talk about anyway in your, your real life. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't like doing video and I don't like doing reels. I hate reels. Um, I just want to maybe show a picture of it, but I like writing, right? And I went to school for that at Rutgers. I studied sociology. Um, I got C's and D's in most of my classes, but any class that involved writing, I got an A in. So I know like... I can write about a shoe and that's where you're tell the story behind yeah. it. And that's what I'm going to keep doing, um, you know, as long as I can. <laughs> so that would be my advice. Yeah. No, that's uh, spot on, man, because, I mean, I keep coming back to marketing, right? I've tried different things and different avenues in my career, and I keep coming back to I love talking about marketing. I love doing marketing. And this podcast, yes, it's about people growing their fan base, but, I mean, most of it comes back to marketing, right, and business. And so, I mean, 100% agree that you have to have some passion or else, I mean, all these people that chase, well, you know, I want to go start a, 
a home improvement blog, but I don't really know anything about home improvement, but I see that that's a big space that I can get into. And it's like, yeah, you might do that for a month or two, but your passion's going to burn out. If you don't love it, if you don't eat, sleep, and dream it, then it's not going to go anywhere, right? It's going to fizzle. Oh, yeah, we and we've both seen so many accounts kind of like start out strong and then fizzle out because they lose that passion. They're not getting the engagement that they wanted, um, and so they just kind of give up. But, yeah, for me... I don't really care about the likes. It's you know it's obviously always fun to get likes and comments, but I have my like core group of sneakerhead friends, and you know we're gonna talk about shoes. We're in private DMs behind the scenes, like talking about shoes all the time. So that that's never gonna stop. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I can I can appreciate that as well. I mean, I think one another person asked me. Was, I talked to the, a sneaker ball, like a local thing in um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and they asked me to talk. And I got up there and I said, "The I said, look around this room. None of us look like each other, right? And I can be a white guy and walk into a room with the right pair of shoes on, right? And nobody cares, right? And you can strike up conversation, and it's yeah. the community." that brings everybody together that like, to me, I mean, I don't care if I like just talk to you and Jacques and Nick and those guys and don't ever have a million followers, but like just talking sneakers with you guys and like, Oh, did you see the latest, you know, whatever's and you know, who's going after what and, or Hey, who wants to swap this pair to that pair and who can help me get this one? Like that's part of it. Like that's the community. I mean, I still talk to people and I ran a website when I was 12 years old about sneakers and I still have two or three people in my phone that I'll still text with from when I was 12 years old and I'll be 40 mm -hmm. later this year. Yep, absolutely. And uh, like, and I'm still hunting for shoes that I always wanted as a kid. So shout out to Andrew sneaker preservation society. Um, he had a pair, extra pair of uh, air zoom challenge uh, sneakers that Agassiz wore back in what was that? 96, 97, and he's like, I know you love these and you've been looking for these. And it was Christmas. He's like, he just sent them to me. <laughs> he's like, what? This is crazy. Like, this Jeez. is a shoe I've always wanted. Um, yeah. So it's like, this, this is a tight knit community. That's like, awesome. You know, and people look out for yep. each other and we'll, we'll do stuff for each other because we just, we know how much we all care about <laughs> these shoes and these stories. Yeah. Well, man, I appreciate it so much for coming on, telling your story. It's a phenomenal story. I mean, it, it's one that I've always admired and watching you grow that account and then going through losing the account and now starting over. Um, I hope that probably in a year or so we can get you back on. And, you know, I know that you don't have ambitions to grow this account to XYZ followers. But something tells me just naturally and organically, the way that you tell stories, the way that you relate to people and show content, I think it's going to happen again. And I think uh, you'll get back to those events and, you know, you'll create the community again and you'll get back after it. I fully believe it. So in a year from now, you're going to come back on and, and I'm sure it's going to be, yeah, I've got a hundred and whatever thousand followers now. And... I'm going to the All-Star oh, game. Oh, man. I don't know. We, like, absolutely, we should follow up. But, uh, my gosh, so many things can happen in a year. Uh, I And I hopefully, oh, yeah. I hope you're right. Um, but I agree, yeah. I'm just going to keep plugging along and, and telling stories. Yeah. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't wait to see what happens. Hey, thank you again, man, for coming on. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time.